Good morning, resurrection. Okay, I'm going to try that one more time. Good morning, resurrection. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Anybody just glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time? Oh, come on now. Did I walk into the wrong place or something? Is there anybody that's glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time? You know, every now and then, praise team, every now and then, I sometimes don't feel it. I don't, anybody ever been there, you just kind of don't feel it. You don't, you don't feel it. Anybody ever just not felt like showing up to church? Okay, don't, y'all don't leave me out here now, don't. But you didn't feel like praising because you were going through some stuff. But something happens, though. Because whenever I don't feel like it, God messes around and makes me start thinking about some stuff. And I'm just like, man, what if God didn't feel like waking me up? What if God didn't feel like giving me the use of my limbs or didn't feel like allowing the blood to flow in my veins? And it doesn't take a whole lot because when I begin to think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, I can't help but to thank him for everything. So I'm going to ask again, anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time? Come on, open up your mouth and offer up a sacrifice of praise. Even if you don't feel like it, you ought to say thank you, God. Even if you don't want to, you ought to say thank you, God. You ought to turn to two or three people and say, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see you're doing well. Come on, all over this sanctuary, even online, we ought to thank God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 I think about, I think about, think about that David didn't always feel like praising. David, when he was on the run from King Saul, was in a cave. But even though he was in that situation, wrongfully accused, being chased by the king, David still somehow managed to write a song that said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I just need some folks that didn't necessarily feel like it, but now you start thinking about it. And you know what? I don't care if I don't feel like it. I'm going to praise him because he's good. I'm going to praise him because he's wonderful. I'm going to praise him because he's gentle. I'm going to praise him because he forgave me. That's why we ought to open up our mouths and thank the Lord. Amen, amen. I can't let that go. I can't let it go. But I'm going to get out the way. I'm going to get out the way. I'm gonna get... Listen, listen. My assignment, my assignment is just to greet each and every one of you on behalf of our pastor, our senior pastor, Pastor Ray D. Brown. Can we thank God for our pastor on today? Come on, y'all. Let's thank God for him. He is continuing in his sermonic series, Never Stop. And listen, you are in for a treat. You are in for a treat. He is going to bless us on today and encourage us with the word from the Lord. And we are so excited about that. Uh, immediately after service, immediately after service, we are giving you opportunity 
to take part in one of our several ministry opportunities. We have volunteer recruitment is happening on today. Can we thank God for that? Here's, here's why we need to thank God for that. For three years, we were shut down, barely here, couldn't serve, couldn't do much, couldn't touch each other. You ought to just hit somebody in the arm right now. Just say, I'm just glad I can touch you. I'm just, I'm just glad. <laughs> be careful, be careful. Be, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> I mean, y'all, anybody else just, just glad to, can I get a high five? I'm just, I'm just glad. Just <laughs> We're going to give you opportunity to join our first impressions, our greeters, ushers, guest services, parking lot. You can join Magnification. You can join our youth ministry. You can volunteer. Pastor has told us, Pastor has told us now, if you don't like kids, please do not sign up for the youth ministry. Please do not do that. We need folks that are called. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But we thank God for it. So immediately after service, we're going to do that. We give you opportunity to stop at one of the tables. But listen, I want to get out the way because I am so ready for worship. Our magnification team is behind. Anybody just need to worship? Anybody just need to worship? Just let some stuff out. Our magnification team and our dance ministry is coming. And then immediately after that, we're going to hear from our pastor, Pastor Ray D. Brown. Come on, y'all. Let's worship the Lord.
song said to the most high God, we praise your name. How many of you know that our God is God? There's a lot of others that come in the name, but our God is God. Because our God is the only one that is a living God. Does anybody love him today? I mean, you love him even when he don't do what you want him to do. Even when it don't go like you planned for it to go. Sometimes body racking in pain, do you still love it? Sometimes mind feel all confused, do you still love it? Is it okay if we sing a love song to the Lord today? We just want to love on him. Say something sweet to him. See, I can't worship for you. And you can't worship for me. And worship is not a spectator sport. So come on, put something sweet in the atmosphere to him. Don't say, well, he know my heart. No, no, no. No, your husband know your heart too. Your wife know your heart. But every now and then you need to say something. So come on, let's say something to him. Let's say something to him. Let's say so. Don't stop. Let's say, fill the room. Fill the room with praises to our God. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
promise you I'm a move. You're my glory forever. My glory forever. My glory forever. Lord. My glory
loves Jesus. I love y'all, but I ain't stunning y'all. My soul, my soul loves Jesus. He's a wonder in my soul. He's a wonder. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? In my soul. When my body was sick and he healed me, he's a wonder in my Let's go. Bless, bless his name. It's all how I love him. It's all when everybody else walked away, he stayed. How I love him. And every story wasn't a lie. It's all. Some of what they said about me was the truth. How I love him. But he loved me anyway. Bless. Bless his name. When you change your mind.
Bishop Obi started that. I want to say you started it, but this all started 2,000 years ago. On a hill called Calvary. Because early, y'all better get this now. I don't know what I'm going to preach, but early Sunday morning, he got up with all. Say thank you, Lord. Go on and praise it for about 15 seconds. Come on. Come on, you got 10 more seconds. Give, give God your best praise. Five, four, three, two. Come on and give him your best praise. One. Give God praise. Praise his name. Find somebody and say, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to lift him up. I came to praise his name. I came to clap my hands. I came to stomp my feet. Hallelujah. Because you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. He picked me up. He turned my life around. Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? Father, we thank you for this precious privilege of being in your presence. We come once more and again, heads bowed, hearts humbled, as we come before this throne of grace. Before we say anything, we want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. We're just glad to be in the service one more time. You didn't have to let us live. We're just glad to be in the service one more time. Bless your name, let it be magnified. Bless your word, let it be glorified. Bless your people, let them be edified. Let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts, Lord, right now, 
be acceptable in thy sight, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Give him one more great big hand praise. Listen. The best praise team and singers and musicians on this side of heaven. Come on. Amen. Amen. And what about our dance ministry? Come on. Give God praise for them, these young people. Amen. Amen. Resurrection, you are blessed. You are blessed. I, I, okay, maybe everybody ain't here from resurrection. Okay, resurrection, you bless. Amen. 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 Those of you who are sitting down, you can stand back up. Amen. Because we're going to be playing musical chairs in a minute. Amen. It's going to be up and down, up and down, all through service. Amen. With worship like that, that, that helps for the preparation of the preaching of the gospel. Amen. And I can't wait. There is an awesome word for you today. Our God is an awesome God, isn't it? This is the day the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad. Find a neighbor and say, you ought to smile a little bit more. Tell him, tell him, no, no, look at him and say, just because you got that mask on, I can see through that. Amen. I, amen. Tell him, you got a reason to give God praise. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I saw you get out of that Mercedes. I, Say, what, it wasn't a Mercedes? Oh, well, I'm claiming it right now. Amen. Amen. Let somebody speak life and speak enlargement of territory over you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anybody want to receive a prosperity gift? Now, here's the key. You can't get prosperity unless you give. If you want God to be generous to you, you got to be generous to God. Some of y'all praising him like this, you know. That's a pretty praise. But an ugly praise is when you dance out your shoes and Amen. You you don't want the camera on you because you might not look. Amen. You you, you ain't praise him until you praise him like you lost your mind. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Listen, what a wonderful day it is to be alive and and worship with you today. If you've been tracking with us, we're in a series entitled Never Stop. Amen. During this Lenten season, say it with me, never stop. We began encouraging you in this theme, in this series, by first telling you to never stop dreaming. And then we talked on last week telling you and encouraging you to never stop telling your story. Amen. Find somebody and say, I got a story. Uh, but today, as we travel to the textual territory, that is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, beginning at verse 35 and 36, we're reading from the Revised Standard Version. We want to tag this talk with this title on today, Never Stop Believing. Find somebody say, Never Stop Believing. This is the Word of God. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. The word of God for the people of God. All praise be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> 
It's safe to assume that the woman who appears first in this scriptural story from the Gospel of Mark felt utterly alone. She had suffered for years in isolation, ostracized from her community because of the disease that designated her as unclean and unfit to be in proximity to others. She was unable to bear children because of her illness and subsequently she had no family and in the eyes of this ancient community, no value. She had been suffering for 12 years, 12 years failing, seeing doctor after doctor, spending what little money she had, and she was by this moment desperate, desperate enough that when she had heard about this young rabbi who had healed all kinds of unlikely people, she knew she had to see him. She waited until he was surrounded by a crowd because if he had been out in the open, she could have never gotten close enough to touch him or contact him. So she strategically placed herself in the midst of the community, the, the crowd of people who were surrounding Jesus, believing that if somehow, some way, she could get close enough to touch not him, but to touch the hem of his garment, that somehow she might be helped and maybe even be healed. In 1906, a woman in the New York City Hotel contacted the hotel manager and told him, quickly, you need to get me a minister. The manager called Harry Marsh Warren, a pastor at a nearby Baptist church, but he couldn't reach him. The next morning, tragically, she was found unconscious with a bottle of poison next to her bed. Warren visited her, visited her in the hospital as she was laying there dying and suffering, and she said to him, I think maybe if I had talked to somebody like you, I never would have done it. The event prompted Warren. It moved him so much. He started a program, a, an organization called Save a Life League, the country's first suicide prevention organization. In the more than 100 years since, many organizations have formed, including crisis hotlines. And in 2013, there's now a crisis text line which allows people, and by the way, many whom are teenagers. They can communicate with trained counselors through the familiarity and anonymity of their cell phone. When we are feeling isolated and alone, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to reach out for help. And yet, my friends, if we can just muster the courage, hear me well, if we could just somehow get the energy to do so, we often discover that making simple connections with another person can help us to see things just a little bit more clearly. When the writer of Mark's gospel tells the story of this woman with a 12-year hemorrhage, he doesn't tell it as a standalone event. Instead, he brackets it with another healing story that in many ways is its complete opposite, the story of Jairus and his daughter. The woman is unnamed and anonymous. Jairus is named and community famous. This woman had suffered for 12 years. The daughter of Jairus is 12 years old. You see the parallel? And as far as we know, Jairus' daughter had been healthy until this recent sickness placed her suddenly at death's door. 
the hemorrhaging woman is isolated, alone, and cut off from her community. But because Jairus was a leader of the local synagogue, he had his family. He was surrounded by a team in faith. He had community, people who were eager to help and support him. And yet Mark weaves these two stories together to tell a larger story, to tell us what it looks like to never stop believing even in the midst of desperate situations. In both cases, here's what it looks like. It looks like, hear me well, this is the thesis of this sermon, reaching out and asking for help. Pastor, that's real simple. No, that's real deep. Because this woman does whatever it takes even using the cover of a community that had shunned her to get close enough to touch Jesus. Oh, if I had time, I'd talk about it. I'd talk about what happens when you touch Jesus. All of us want Jesus to touch us, but if I had time, I'd, I'd change that up. I feel the Holy Spirit moving. You ought to think about what it is when you can touch Jesus. J. Iris goes outside of the community. She uses the cover of community. He goes outside of his community to ask for help from this young upstart rabbi who had a controversial reputation, especially among the religious leaders. Jesus honors both of these cries for help from these two different people from two different places. And it's been said, y'all, that the most important tool in anybody's toolbox is the capacity to ask for help. Man, I need somebody to help me. Uh, to acknowledge how important it is to own up to the things that are most challenging for you and to seek out help and guidance in that area. And hear this, the other critical tool is to be a lifelong learner. That's a disciple, y'all. To have enough humility and, and, and to have enough wisdom uh, to, to know and to admit that there is still so much that you do not know and there's so much that others do know that can help us in a situation. Understand, my brothers and sisters, that asking for help is both an act of humility and an act of self-compassion. To ask for help is to admit our need, which is probably not an easy thing for most of us to do, but to ask for help also suggests that we believe that we are worthy of help. And that's what Jesus affirms in this text, that Jesus affirms, he affirms this in this woman with a hemorrhage. She, he affirms that I, not only did she deserve physical healing, but she also deserved the healing of both body, mind, soul, and spirit. She was an outcast, labeled unclean, deserved. She deserved help, just as much help as the daughter of Jairus, the daughter of this religious leader. So much so did she need help and that Jesus was about to give her help and aid her in help that he delays the help of Jairus' daughter to help this struggling, stressed out sister. Now, I know y'all looking at me, and it's understandable that if you believe that faith means that we never question what's happening, we never doubt, we never struggle, but throughout the gospel of Mark, we've been seeing that faith is rarely a straightforward cause and effect quid 
pro quo kind of proposition as we trail the tapestry of this text for today. We learn to never stop believing and to never stop believing is to sometimes admit and own up to the fact that you are at the end of your rope that we don't know what step to take and what move to make, that we need help from other people around us and that we don't always know what to do next. All I need is about 75 people right now who are listening to me today who can just be honest enough and humble enough to admit there are times in your life when you didn't know what to do next. Because according to the text, when you arrive at that spot, when you can own up to that, that's the essence of faith. Uh, bringing our doubt, hear me well, bringing our fear, bringing our pain and our suffering to God is believing that God will help us, that God can help us, and that we are worthy of God's attention and care. Can I get some children of God to say, you preaching, Pastor? Because listen, this nameless woman and this named leader were both caught between a rock and a hard place. Her life was flooded with the pain of prolonged illness, rejection, and loneliness. His life overflowed with the fear of loss, desperation, and despair. In their mutual misery, they both decided to reach out to Jesus. Okay, y'all missed that. They reached out to Jesus and asked for help. And that's always a game changer. That's always a life changer because whatever you are in, Jesus can get you out. Whatever you face, Jesus can bring you through. If you stop, he can get you started. If you're down, he can lift you up. If you're broken, he can put you back together. If you're bound, he can set you free. If you're sick, he can make you well. Jesus is a game changer. Somebody ought to say, oh, he can change the game. Have I got a witness? He's a game changer. Jesus is a life changer. And that raises the question, y'all, that I want to pose today. What encouragement does this text offer us on our journey through Lent and our journey through life? I think this will bless you because here it is. Number one, I believe the text is saying never stop believing even in the face of delay. Anybody ever had some delays? You, 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 you really needed help now, but it seemed like there's a delay. And, and hear me well when I say this, that delay is not denial. Just because it hadn't happened doesn't mean it won't happen. Sometimes you got to wait. I know that's hard for us to swallow, but not just for us as modern believers. It was also for the people in the text, the woman suffering from the uterine hemorrhage and the incredible anemia that it evokes had been waiting for 12 years. Exhausted, exhausted medical promise after promise to no avail. She had worked her way parenthetically through all of her insurance options. Every policy maxed out. We talking Medicare, Medicaid, parts one, two, and maybe even three. And after all of that, she was no better. In fact, the text says it, it grew worse. And somebody listening to me right now knows the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, of having to wait, W-A-I-T. 
you know the weight of having to wait. It's tiresome, burdensome, and heavy. Waiting for a chance, waiting for a change, waiting for a cure, waiting for a check, waiting for a contingency, waiting for a conclusion, having faith, uh, her faith, hope, and stamina were tested. Are y'all hearing me? She had it, but it was tested. Her resilience was stretched to the breaking point, and yet she never stopped believing. Y'all ain't listening as well as I'm preaching. Come on, listen, lean in right here, because in Matthew's rendering of this story, chapter 9, 21 of his gospel, he wrote, she said to herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Here's how the text says that she was able to do what she was doing. It says she talked to herself. Ah, ah, be careful with that because everybody don't need to say everything to yourself. Some of y'all, but she did it in the right way. Matthew said, she said to herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole with nobody else to talk to, isolated and segregated and humiliated. She had a conversation with herself, and hear me well, my friends, when the sum of your life experience is flooded with delay, one of the tools you got to employ to hold it together is you got to have some positive self-talk. You got to talk to yourself and say, it's going to be all right. I'm going to hold it together. I'm going to hold my tongue. You have to say to yourself, ah, talk yourself up instead of talking yourself down. You, you, you've got to tell yourself you can rather than telling yourself you can't. You've got to talk to yourself and with yourself, about yourself, in yourself. If you're going to never stop believing in the face of delay. Jairus, too, had to grapple with delay. Language can't even express his delight when Jesus consented to follow him home and to tend to his daughter. He was, he was excited. Naturally, he wanted to get there quickly, and yet all along the way, there were people in the way. Disruption after disruption. Uh, interruption after interruption. People who caused Christ to be delayed in his arrival. And, and, and possibly the pauses were only momentarily, but if you are a worried parent, when your child is in danger, seconds can feel like centuries. I wonder, is there anybody here that ever took your child to an emergency room? And the first thing you do when you get up there, you're you filling out the papers, but you're saying, I need you to tend to my child. He, he, I, 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 can I get a witness here? Why couldn't his disciples, I'm sure he was saying to himself, tend to some of these demands, all these armor bearers, you got all this security and these associates, won't, why don't they offer some assistance? My daughter is dying. Her need was critical and urgent. And what if, I'm sure he was saying, she expired before the healer arrives. And during these terrible moments, the faith of this father was severely tested and then the unthinkable happened. It's right there in th verse 35. While Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, your daughter is dead. And they said, why bother the teacher anymore? What do you do when delay becomes disaster? During such moments, if we're honest, doubt can overwhelm and flood the soul. When anonymous clouds fill the sky, it's easy in those moments to forget that the radiant sun continues to shine. But can I encourage you real quickly? Don't fall apart. Read verse 36 where it says, overhearing what they said, 
Jesus said. Oh, y'all, y'all. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm glad today that the Lord is listening. Not to just what they say, but to the conversations that are happening all around me. Listen to what the text says, overhearing what they said. They said it's over. They said there's no hope. They say there's no way. They, they said walk away. They, they said he can't help you. They, they said I told you so. They said I knew you wasn't going to be nothing. They, they said it won't work for you. They, they said he ain't real. He, they, they said he really doesn't care about you. But overhearing what they said, here it is. Jesus said, I wish I had somebody here who can find comfort in what Jesus says. That the Lord is listening to what they are saying about you and your situation. And he hears the conversations, he hears the accusations, he hears the negativity, he hears the pessimism, he hears the criticism, and beyond hearing it, he's got an answer. How many know that Jesus is the answer? Can I tell you what he says? He says in the text, don't be afraid. Let me give you the Ray Brown interpretation. Never stop believing. Why? Because you never need to fear them if you're honestly walking with him. Oh, that's real good. I don't, even if you didn't get happy, I, I, I like that because circumstances, conditions, causes, and cases are still under the control of Christ. It may be over your head, but it's still under his feet. He knows the past. He sees your future. So you don't have to dare panic in the present. What encouragement does this text offer us as we journey through Lent and through life? It is never stop believing even in the face of delay. I thought I wasn't going to have to preach hard here. But I see right now. Let me, okay. Never stop believing in the face of delay, but also in the face of difficulty. Here's a tagline. Don't permit difficult to become a deterrent. Somebody ought to post that and tweet that at that just because something hard doesn't mean it's not worth doing. It, it may be difficult to get your diploma. It may be difficult to finish your degree, but you still should go after it. I don't even know who that was for. It, it, it may be difficult to start and sustain a business, but you still ought to pursue it. It, it may be difficult to nurture and provide for your family, uh, but you ought to still seek it. it. It may be difficult to discipline your body, I got a button in my car that you could press and it pauses and you could take your foot off the brake and the car won't move. It's called a hold button. I'm going to press it right there. It may be difficult to discipline your body. Keep looking straight. Your mind. Uh-oh, here's one for free. Your mouth. Somebody just stop saying amen. Like, your emotions, your finance, but they are still worthwhile endeavors. Never permit difficult to be a deterrent. Both Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood had obstacles to overcome. We all have them, y'all. 
This sister approached Jesus, albeit secretly, without any male sponsorship. Her continuing condition had cut her off from the religious community and from financial stability, and yet by faith, she leapt over the obstacles, the obstacles of pain and time, social scorn, social norms poverty and she did what she had to do to get to Jesus. This woman had obstacles to overcome and so did J. Iris. He was a ruler in the synagogue. His obstacle was the fact that he was a member of an elite company of men who supervised Hebrew Jew jurisprudence throughout Galilee. They oversaw the sacred scrolls and were responsible for the maintenance and the upkeep of the temple. They were the keepers of the religious regularity. They offered advice to the community and in matters of vital, vital importance, they gave counsel to individuals. Their decisions were considered irreversible. There was no court of appeals. Beyond them, all matters of internal unrest were referred to the ruling body of elders who were expected to maintain high standards of spiritual morality and as ruler of all these conditions Jairus and his colleagues considered Jesus callously y'all y'all got come here for a moment they didn't think much of who Jesus was but when his daughter was threatened by death it put him in a difficult position y'all following me it, 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 was, it, it was not easy to forget the advice that he had given to the others about this upstart rabbi. And, and it, it was terrible, however, to watch the suffering of his baby, his child that he loved and adored, and, and to not be able to do anything about it. How could he not seek assistance from Jesus? And the question, the greater question is how could he now seek assistance from Jesus when he had just reminded his congregation earlier about and denounced who Jesus really was. He either had to preserve his honor or lose his child. Both of them had difficulties. Both neither permitted, though, their difficulties to become deterrents. Both of them, Jairus, and this nameless woman sought Jesus anyway. And that's my suggestion for about 635 of y'all. And for everybody who's online and those who are listening on the radio, don't permit difficult to become a deterrent. Do what you need to do. Difficulties may slow you, but they don't have to stop you. Never stop believing even in the face of difficulties. Look at your neighbor and encourage them real good and say, don't stop, don't stop. Tell them never stop, never stop. I'm through just about. I'm through just about. But let me give you one more. Never stop believing in the face of discouragement. This procession of progress had already reached the residence of Jairus when they overheard collectively people wailing, people collectively crying and, and mourning. The, mornings, the, the mourners were professionals. You know, there are some people who can, can praise God on cue. Yeah. 
I'm trying to see if the, I'm past the time that this would be on the radio. This is where they cut it off at so I can say what I'm about to say. This is the remix. They, they don't do it here, but I've, I've seen churches where they be smoking outside, put the cigarette out, go in church. Because they can shout on cue. They're professional shouters. They just keep looking straight. Just keep looking. You know. These were professional mourners. They were hired just to mourn. And they were already at their post. They was on the job. They had their T-shirts. And, and, and here they are. They're, 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 you could hear the, the, the wails of grief echoing throughout the street. People were listening and waiting to see if anything spectacular was about to happen. These professional mourners uh, were completely insensitive to the grief of the family and hearing the words of Jesus who said to them, he just said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. They laughed him to scorn. But Jesus reinterprets reality. Jesus disrupts dysfunction, disease, and death. Jesus reorders plans and proceedings and policies and procedures in according to the eternal promise. He's, she's not dead. She's sleeping. And God told me just now, he whispered in my ear to tell somebody who's in a discouraging situation that right now it looks bad. Right now it looks unrecoverable. But recognize that the final chapter has not yet been written. Uh, I, can I... Listen, don't stop believing. <laughs> Never, because in this text, when you look at this, these curious onlookers, they're nervously sniggling in the corner of a room, muttering, I don't know what he's smoking. But undeterred by their arrogance and their ignorance, Jesus turns to the girl. They're, 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 they're murmuring, they're, they're laughing, but, and he turns to the girl. He, can I tell you something? You know that you're growing in faith. You know that you are maturing as a believer. When you can gain the capacity to ignore ignorance and arrogance. I, I, I know some of y'all say there was a time, Pastor, I'd had to take off my earring and I had to take off my shoes. But you know that you're growing in faith when you can ignore ignorance. And somebody's sitting by somebody who's been bothering you the whole time you in church. And you know that you're growing because you ain't said nothing. You just keep on, I'm praising God. Listen, can I tell you something real quick? Every battle ain't worth fighting. Every argument ain't worth having. Every conversation ain't worth conducting. Sometimes you got to ignore some stuff. Sometimes you got to do like Jesus. Can I tell you what Jesus did? Go to the next step and do what Jesus did. Jesus just put them out. Oh, y'all ain't even, y'all don't read, y'all ain't read the Bible. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what the text says. It says he put them out. I, I, I would take credit and say, I, I said it, I meant it, I'm here to represent it, but I can't say I said it. Jesus said it. The Word of God says this. He put him out. Sometimes, y'all, you've got to go to the stop. Uh, you've you got to stop the bus of your experience and announce to people, this is your stop. Get off. I'm sorry. Did I, I was trying to exercise my leg. Sometimes you've got to tell people this you, you, you can't ride with me no further. You ain't got to go home, but you got to leave here. 
And I know that sounds abrupt. I, I, I know that sounds hard, but the Bible says he put them out. Put them out. Took the girl by the hand. And he says to her simply, get up. Get up. I, I, I know that death has you, but, but get up. I, 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 I know that they're already preparing the cemetery, but, but get up. I, I know somebody's already dropped a chicken and they're ready for the repast, but, but get up. I know they've written you off, but, but get up. I, I, I know that they've written you out, but, but get up. I know they're trying to cancel your part in the program, but, but get up. I know they've already replaced you on the board, but, but, but get up. I, I know they said you wouldn't be nothing, but, but, but get up. I know they said you wouldn't have nothing, but get up. I know they said you'd be just like your mama, just like your daddy, I, but get up. I, I know they said you wouldn't go anywhere, but, but get up. I know they said you couldn't make it without them, but get up. Can I tell you what happened next? She got up and began to walk around. Her mother was shocked. Her daddy was amazed, but that just goes to show you, my friend, what God can do when you never stop believing. Hey, because sometimes you, sometimes things have to get worse before they get better, but remember, it's never over until God says it's over. It's never done until God says it's done. It's never too much and, and never too incredible and, and never too hopeless, never too bad, never too late for God to step in if you never stop believing. Somewhere I read that if God be for you, he's more than the world against you. It's never too late to dream your dream. It's never too late to work your plan. It's never too late to live your life. I ain't there yet. It's never too late to offer your praise. It's never too late to expand your mind and enlarge your territory, enrich your thoughts, and empower your spirit and step forward in life. If God is in the midst, there's still time. There's still life. There's still possibility. There's still opportunities. There's still a chance. Just believe. Say it out loud. Never stop believing. Oh, you ought to say it louder than that. Never stop believing. Say it out loud. I'm getting up. I'm coming out. I'm blessed. I'm safe. I will bless the Lord. I've been down long enough. I've been hurt long enough. I've been dissatisfied long enough. I've been stuck long enough. I've been stagnant long enough. I've been sick long enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm too big to be broke. I'm too gifted to be grumbled. I'm too saved to be shifty. I'm, I'm not a slave. I'm a son. I'm not dysfunctional. I'm a daughter. I'm walking in authority. I'm living without apology. I know it looks desperate, but I'm getting up. I'm about to make a comeback. Somebody ought to give God praise. <laughs> Lord is saying, get up. And she got up. Let me close like this. In 1999, something happened on April 20th in Columbine High School. You know about it. There was a shooting. But a young student named Patrick Ireland, 
who was just a junior at that time, was in the library during the shooting. Tragically, a shotgun pellet lodged in his brain, disturbing his vision. Disturbed his vision. He, it, it wiped out his ability to speak. He, his right, the right side of his body was paralyzed, and, and his foot was so badly injured, he just blacked out. But as soon as he, he regained consciousness, he, he had one coherent thought, and that was, I got to get out of this. Took him three hours just to drag himself across the library to a blown out window. He eventually somehow managed to get to that window and pull himself up and jump from the window into the arms of a SWAT team that was waiting below. Over time, during his recovery that followed, he graduated from Columbine, he gave a speech he was the valedictorian, and in his speech, it was powerful and prolific. He admittedly, he admitted honestly that it had been a rough year, that the shooting made the country finally aware of unexpected levels of rage and hatred and bias. I agree, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Rage and and violence, he said, it's in our high schools and it's in our nations. But he said, he's still convinced that the world at its core was inherently good. That life was positive, that, 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 that life was noble, that life was worth living. And he had spent that year of recovery thinking about what it was that helped him get across that room while on the floor in Columbine High School. And he said these words in his speech. He said, I finally realized that what helped me get across that library floor was that I never stopped believing that if I could just get to the window, even though he was on the third floor, y'all not hearing me, if I could just get to the window, even though he hoped to jump, but if I could just get to the window, I, I know I've got some challenges, but if I could just get to the window, I believe there'll be somebody on the outside that will be there to catch me. I can shout on that point. I'm about to take my seat because I'm preaching to somebody right now. You may be crawling through desperate, difficult, and discouraging moments but I'm going to give you Patrick's words. If you can just make it to the window of faith, there will be somebody who will catch you when you fall. His name is Jesus. Is there a witness? I said his name is Jesus. He'll hear you when you call. He'll catch you when you fall. Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? If you never stop believing... The Lord will be right there. He'll come through. I know he's all right. God bless you. Come on and give God praise in this place. I'm through. Whenever the word of God is delivered, it demands a response. Perhaps there is someone here in the sanctuary or online who needs and wants a relationship with Jesus Christ. Giving your life to Christ is really simple as ABC. A, 
Admit that you need God, and without Him, you're lost in sin. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died for our sins. And C, confess that Jesus is Lord, and one day He's coming back for us, and you want Him in your life. If you've made that confession and decided to accept Christ, we invite you to take your phone out and text JOIN to 830-689-8074. And then we'll connect with you immediately and we'll tell you how to become a part of the family of God. If that's you and you sent that text, we welcome you to the Resurrection family. Before we go, we once again want to thank you for your continued support of this ministry. You can give today electronically through PushPay by texting RBC1 to 77977 and follow the instructions. You can also mail in or drop off your offering at our church's location. We thank you for joining us today. We pray that you have a blessed week. May God keep you and bless you is our prayer. We look forward to seeing you right back here next week.